Well, thank you all for coming tonight. Um, I'm glad you're here. Let me talk a little bit about some of the things that I got to do at the beginning of this summer, and then we're going to jump into a lesson from God's Word. So at the beginning of this summer, um, after getting through this year at OC, I got uh, the opportunity, um, really the honor, to take part in two different mission trips. Um, Many of you financially and prayerfully supported me, and I'm so, so thankful for that. Um, The first trip that I got to take part in was New Zealand. Um, We worked with a church uh, in Auckland, uh, the North Shore Church of Christ. These are both, by the way, trips that I got to take part in um, with teams from Oklahoma Christian University, both led by uh, faculty members from the school. And in New Zealand, um, we got to do a lot of work with the church there. It's a, uh, a church that's well-established, that's been uh, meeting in the same building for a long time. And uh, as we all know, as we're going through plans to renovate the building right now, uh, buildings that are around for a long time need some work. So that was the main thing that we did on that trip, is we, we did a lot of things with the building and we recarpeted a room, for instance. We repainted a room. Uh, we did some things to kind of update uh, that area so that the building can be used for several more generations. Um, and so that was a blessing. And the other thing that we got to do on that trip is um, we got to take part in a, in a ministry that is uh, kind of new. One of the missionaries that we worked with, uh, his name is Jeremy Richards. Um, He is developing this ministry called High Ground. And if you're familiar with the concept of wilderness trek um, that many youth groups here in the States do, it's a similar ministry. Um, We got to uh, go with Jeremy uh, up to the summit of a mountain in New Zealand. And each part of climbing that mountain was likened to the spiritual journey that we, we go on every day. And it was an extremely good thing. The second trip that we got to do, that I got to do, excuse me, was uh, Swaziland. Uh, we went to, I went to Swaziland with a team um, from OC. And that trip was focused around serving at African Christian College. Uh, African Christian College is a... Um, a Church of Christ-affiliated school in Swaziland, very close to the clinic that uh, Bob and Annette Whitaker have, uh, have started in the last years. Um, and so I, I, got to, I got to see Bob for a few minutes um, one day. He was busy in the clinic. He, st- he uh, finished up with a patient and uh, stepped away to see me for a few minutes before going back to see another patient. And um, him and Annette are doing well. The work at African Christian College was um, the professor that came uh, and led that team is an Old Testament professor at Oklahoma Christian, the dean of the College of Bible, Dr. Charles Ricks. And he, uh, every summer, goes to Swaziland to teach the Intro to Old Testament course at African Christian College. And we, our role as students, was to assist these first-year Bible students who had most of them grown up in the church, but all of them had never taken an academic Bible class, and our role was to assist them in that, whatever that meant. Um, Often that's asking questions, um, just 
helping them to ask the kind of questions that we need to be asking as people that study the Bible and uh, have a degree in that. So, um, those are the, the opportunities that I got to take part in. And I, I want to say again, thank you to all of you who financially and prayerfully supported me in that. Um, you blessed me, and you blessed many, many others through that. That said, I'm going to uh, lead us in a prayer, and then I'm going to jump into a lesson from the book of Ephesians. So, this lesson, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to pray in a minute, but the, um, the prayer that I want to say is a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1. Um, one of my professors at Oklahoma Christian, he's a missions professor there, uh, he taught us in one of our classes about praying the scriptures and what a special thing that is. What better words can we offer to God but the words that he already gave us? And so I'm going to lead a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll bow with me. All praise to you, our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before you made the world, you loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in your eyes. You decided in advance to adopt us into your own family by bringing us to you through Jesus Christ. This is what you wanted to do, and it gives you great pleasure. So we praise you, O God, for the glorious grace you've poured out on us who belong to your dear Son. You are so rich in kindness and grace that you purchased our freedom with the blood of your Son and forgave our sins. You have showered your kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. You have now revealed to us your mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill your own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, you will bring everything together in unity. Under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. So yesterday, I had the opportunity to be, excuse me, the honor to be a groomsman in one of my best friend's wedding. My friend Logan, who I went to high school with and is a preaching major at Harding University, um, got married yesterday, and I had the special opportunity to be in his wedding. And it was a joyous occasion, to say the least. Logan's dad uh, got to, um, le- got to uh, officiate the wedding, and he simply spoke about love. And, and I know what you're thinking. He didn't go to 1 Corinthians 13 as much as I love that text. He went to Genesis 1. And, excuse me, Genesis 2. And in Genesis 2, he talked about the flesh of my flesh and the bone of my bone. And what a special thing the unity of marriage is. And amongst this, after this sermon of sorts, this wedding sermon of sorts, the 
father of the bride stood up to lead a prayer. And he used a phrase that we don't use very often, especially out of context. He used this phrase twice. He said, thank you, Lord, for bringing my daughter and Logan together in holy matrimony. And it made me think, what is this phrase that uh, doesn't mean much to us um, unless you have been around and you, and you have really considered it or you've been married? then it probably means more to you than me. But I was thinking about this yesterday, turning this over in my head. What is holy matrimony, and what makes it holy? Well, I think, I think Logan's dad had it right when he was talking about the unity of marriage, the love that comes in marriage, the example that marriage is for us in love and unity. All the while, while I'm experiencing this holy love and holy unity, there is another thing going on across the nation. There's a battle going on in, in Virginia, a lot of bad things happening. Um, bad people doing bad things. I'm sure most of you are aware of what happened in Charlottesville yesterday. And the contrast between these two different events going on in two different places with two different circumstances is apparent to me in this moment. These, this profound unity and love and this profound disunity and hatred. These are things that we run into uh, not only as a culture, we've also run into as a church. And uh, I'm gonna, I invite you to look in Ephesians with me this evening because the church in Ephesus was feeling the same kind of racial discord that we see on our televisions today. The Jews and the Gentiles in Ephesus were being immature. The Jews believe that they're superior because of their history, and the Gentiles believe in their superiority because well, Paul says they don't have to follow the old laws anymore. I'm right because I am God's chosen person. Or I'm right because I don't have to do all those silly things you have to do. And Paul says they're both wrong in that argument. If you want to look more into the situation, you can see it in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into chapter 4, and I'll get to the text in just a moment. But Paul loves the Ephesians, both the Jews and the Gentiles. He loves them enough that he wants to see them love each other. He sees the loss that is coming from their unwillingness to forgive, from their immaturity. He wants them to recover and be a united people. The problem is immaturity within and among the believers. Immaturity causes us to regress and lose the possibility of the great gifts we could have. Our spiritual immaturity doesn't only cheapen our Christianity, it cheapens our lives. And immaturity still plays a role, an unfortunate role, 
in our lives today, in our world today. Immaturity at the extremest level leads to misunderstandings of people, and those misunderstandings lead to the kind of actions seen yesterday in Charlottesville and on TVs around the world. Spiritual immaturity in the church not only causes us to miss out on unity, but possibly even worse than that, it could cause us to miss out on the great spiritual gifts that God has offered freely to us. Immaturity and its consequential disunity paralyze church. If you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I'm going to read the first 16 verses of that chapter. Therefore I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights and he led a crowd of captives, he gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If you look in this text, you see God's grace woven into the spiritual gifts in verse 11. Spiritual gifts of prophecy, pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles. These gifts are great because we are all different, and God made us that way. Not everyone is a prophet. 
Not everyone is an evangelist. The common thread is that the gifts are characterized by love. We have each been given a unique gift from God, and that's wonderful. We need to be mature, leaving behind our pre-Christian pettiness and superiority and seek out our spiritual gifts. We get to have these gifts, but when we are so immature as to not seek out our gifts, the immaturity carries the obvious adverse effects of immaturity, disunity. The grace for us here and now is that we have the opportunity to turn away from immaturity and all of the cancerous outcomes that come from it. As a church that loves, we initiate unity within by loving outwardly. This may mean seeking out a brother or sister who is different from you and showing them that you care for them or being a friend to them. This may mean taking a hard look and an honest friend with you, at yourself an honest friend to help you give a hard look at yourself. We owe it to God and to our fellow man to better ourselves as best as possible so that we may be more united in Christ and as his church. We have the opportunity to turn to a holy love that is apart from the atrocities we heard about yesterday. Unity doesn't mean agreement on every level with all things. Unity doesn't mean we always hold our tongue, and it sure doesn't mean we always speak our mind. Unity means that we've been given a bond in Christ, a gift, and despite our differences, we will remain together through the Spirit. I'm going to be reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. We have, church, the blessed and God-breathed opportunity to be more than immature. We've been offered the beautiful gifts of the Holy Spirit, each one unique, as we are unique. To not only see the big picture that immature people miss, we get to see the big picture and pick up a paintbrush and contribute to it. All we have to do is renounce the immaturity that plagues us so that we can hold closer each other through Christ.
Please pray with me. Lord, help us. Help us to renounce the sinful immaturity that is so easy to take up in this world. Help us to seek out and find the gifts you have prepared for us. For you said, seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Be our guide. Help us to see the big picture and be a part in it. Help us to love each other so that we may find unity. Thank you for your grace, for your eternal willingness to let us repent. Most of all, for your Son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.